0: And welcome to the Hartman Group's podcast, The Insatiable Appetite. I'm Danielle kleiner Cantor, a consultant on the HRS team, and I'm joined today by our VP of Client Services, Davey McHenry. Davey, it's great to talk with you.
1: Hi, Danielle. Great to chat with you
0: today. Yeah. So we're gearing up to begin fielding our fourth quarter syndicated research study in the next couple of weeks that will investigate the topic of snacking. And this report is a follow-up to our 2016 study, our first report solely dedicated to understanding snacking in the US. And as you know, David, today's world looks quite a bit different than it did in 2016. And in today's episode, we wanted to take a moment to revisit the past and highlight key findings from our 2016 report. And with those key findings in mind, we'll then share some ideas around areas of focus and hypotheses that we anticipate exploring to understand the world of snacking today and into the future. So to get us started, how did we get here? How have we become this culture of snackers?
1: Well, Danielle, in our 2016 report, we highlighted how the confluence of several cultural shifts has led to the prominence of snacking. These shifts include the erosion of food rituals centered around the nuclear family, rapidly changing wellness and culinary trends, and the growing access people have to food and food types. As eating experiences that tend to be individualized and not shared, snacks are able to address consumer needs in ways that traditional meals often cannot.
0: Yeah, and this data point that I'm gonna share in just a minute uh, about snacking really illustrates just how essential snacking has become to daily eating for most Americans. In 2016, snacks accounted for 50% of all eating occasions. And so this really shows that consumers snack often, they snack at any time of the day, and they're even replacing meals with snacks. And we know that the confluence of these cultural shifts, like you mentioned, has made us this culture of snackers. So what shifts did we see in what consumers are looking for in their snacks in 2016?
1: Well, Danielle, we found that consumers expect snacks to do more for them than ever before giving people a sense of personal control and responsibility for their lives and helping to compartmentalize and meet specific needs. There has been an evolution towards the desire for healthier, more flexible snacking and highly individual snacking patterns reflect the increasingly blurry boundary between meals and snacks and contribute to what we call a more undefined set of eating occasions.
0: Yeah, and we saw that half of all eating occasions were snacks in 2016, but the language consumers used to describe their snacks was actually really highly personalized and variable, and which is really different than how there's this pretty strong general consensus around what a meal is. And one consumer that we interviewed said a snack was actually anything that you didn't have to prepare because preparation meant getting into uh, what they called meal territory and in our research we found that over a third of consumers say they often have leftovers as a snack so whether cooking is involved how much is consumed what is consumed uh, these kinds of things were some common questions that consumers thought about when thinking about what constitutes a snack And we also looked at why people snack, and through doing this, we uncovered three primary drivers—nourishment, optimization, and pleasure.
1: Yes, and many of of the considerations consumers make when shopping for snacks do indeed reflect these drivers. Looking at them a little bit more closely, nourishment really reflects the broader trend towards proactive-minded eating and drinking and positive nutrition in service of long-term wellness goals. When we look at optimization, we see it really being about targeting specific physical, mental, and emotional needs in the moment, helping individuals adapt or raise their game, if you will, to meet the demands of a given situation or task. And finally, pleasure is associated with the physical and emotional needs for enjoyment, comfort, craving, and play. And now not surprising, these drivers aren't mutually exclusive. When consumers are actually at the shelf to purchase snacks, however, These considerations vary according to the category of snacks. For example, iconic brand appeal is a top consideration in more indulgent categories, such as salty and sweet snacks, as well as beverages, while the delivery of nutrition pops in categories that are more strongly identified with snacking for nourishment. For example, your energy bars, dairy snacks, and fresh snacks.
0: This seems like a lot of things to keep track of when consumers are shopping.
1: How, How do consumers balance all of these different needs? Yes, indeed. We definitely heard that consumers do feel tensions when they're trying to balance different needs and preferences. They are constantly trying to negotiate the right balance between snacking as a solution to modern lifestyles, needs, and preferences, with health and wellness goals and aspirations. And that tension is certainly still present, if not even more so today. Thinking about
0: consumer snacking experiences today, even though the context of our lives is really different than 2016 the needs and contexts around concepts like wellness or flexibility, as well as balancing different motivations that drive these tensions continue to remain relevant. Uh, But with time and within the context of the pandemic have continued to evolve. And now that we've looked back at 2016, let's look forward uh, into our 2020 syndicated report on snacking. Davey, what areas do we anticipate exploring in the study?
1: Yeah, Danielle, I mean, I think we've all felt the impacts of the pandemic for quite a while now, and we really anticipate this will be a lens through which a lot of consumers approach their snacking nowadays. And it's really impacting everything from where people are snacking to where they're sourcing their snacks to finally the different motivations and needs they're bringing into their snacking occasions. So with this in mind, there are a couple of things we've been seeing in our recent research that we're looking forward to exploring further in our Q4 study. So for example, our COVID-19 impact on eating report highlighted the changing occasion context with more consumers eating at home and in the morning, more with others, as well as shifting procurement pathways with the rise of online sourcing and more sourcing of snacks in advance. We're also keen on exploring the shifting understandings of convenience and value Topics we touched on in both our recent convenience and value white papers, but here, what it really means for snacking today. And another area I know our analysts and our clients are eager to understand is that increased scrutiny around plastic packaging and climate under the umbrella sustainability and how that is bearing out given consumers' vigilance around safety issues related to COVID.
0: Yeah, we're seeing shifts in all sorts of areas that impact snacking and more logistical considerations like where consumers are eating and how they're sourcing snacks to these evolving ideologies around convenience and value. And it'll be really interesting to actually hear from consumers about their current snacking approaches and tensions that they're facing. And lately, we've been surrounded by a lot of information telling us how the world is very different than before. But... There are some notable highlights from our 2016 study that are still quite relevant to how consumers are snacking today, even if some of those details have shifted.
1: Yes, the evolution that we saw towards healthier and flexible snacks, as well as those drivers behind snack occasions, are absolutely still relevant. Immunity has become a big focus in how people are approaching their health these days, and we hypothesize that will show up in this year's research. And even though more snacking occasions are taking place at home, People are still busy, and so products that work for multiple occasions or can be customized will still speak to relevant needs.
0: Absolutely, and thinking back to everything we've talked about today, the fact that we've become a culture of snackers, uh, we're, we're, we're really driven to snack by this variety of personal needs that often intersect, such as wellness or mental acuity or comfort, this really still rings true, and as we think about snacking today and also looking into the future, we're Really excited to explore how new factors like the pandemic reshape this equation. And before I wrap up, Davey, do you have anything else to add?
1: No, Danielle. I mean, I think we've covered a lot of ground today, but I'd love to invite our listeners to get in touch with their burning questions on snacking so we can be sure to include that in our research as well. Yes,
0: here at the Hartman Group, our expertise and research understanding consumers' values, behaviors, and aspirations around eating and drinking can help guide your brand or retailer in navigating today's challenging waters. Please reach out to us with any questions that you have, and thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Insatiable Appetite, and we hope that you'll join us next time.